Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. All right, we're back. It's another Carolina podcast. South Carolina falling to four and six after losing 20 to 15 to Appalachian State. They were a six and a half point favorite is where the line closed. It's the third time this year that South Carolina has lost as a favorite. It's the first time now that a Sunbelt team has beaten two Power Five teams in a season. So I guess congratulations to App State who. Played a good game, came in with the right game plan, and I anticipated that today would have been probably kind of a testy podcast because I'm an antagonist and I like to push y'all's buttons, but I'm very sleepy and I think Chris is very sleepy. So we might actually keep our emotions in check. I won't promise anything though because guys, Carolina is just straight up bad and this is, I guess, week number six of more questions than answers. I'll say week number five of more questions than answers because the Alabama loss was actually a pretty decent performance. But we'll say week number five of more questions than answers. So leaving the App State game, what is your biggest question about the South Carolina team, Wes? My biggest question. Um, can, uh, can this offense be fixed? Um, and I say it as a question because and it's probably not even a question at this point. I think we've really reached the point where um, it's hard to say that it can be fixed, certainly this year. Um, you know, the inability to run the football against App State, to me, was probably... In a season where I think we've kind of learned you shouldn't be shocked by anything you see, whether it's, you know, just 
inexplicably looking awful or beating Georgia and Athens. Um, to me, that that actually may have been the most surprising. That may have been more surprising for me than that South Carolina beat Georgia in Athens, was that South Carolina could not run the football at all uh, yeah, against I, I, App State. I like, think that's probably right. Like, at all. Um, I mean, you look at the numbers. Uh, it, it was brutal, dude. And this team has has run the football, for the most part, well this year, other than a couple of other instances. But And against pretty good defensive fronts at times. Like, we're not just talking, you know, sometimes it's skewed because a team – will, like, hammer the lesser run defenses they play, just for example, from a matchup standpoint. And then, you know, I think that was a problem for South Carolina last year. They actually ran the ball pretty well against the teams that sort of struggled in that area. And those were the the games that they were pretty good offensively. But then when they faced, you know, your Georges of the world, they could not run the football. This year, they've run the football against some good people and then just – weren't able to get a push at all against App State. To me, that that was incredibly surprising. Um, you know, the fact that the offense just for a, for about you'd say two quarters worth, um, and from like the middle portion of the game, just couldn't really get anything going at all. Who did they um, not run the ball well against? I mean, that, you're exactly right, but I would go even one step further and say South Carolina has run the ball well against everybody. Missouri. But they didn't even run the ball against Missouri, which right. is why they, I would push back. Try on as them. much, yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't try. What did the, uh, Carolina's running backs had? I think three carries after the first quarter, six at halftime, and finished the game with a combined fourteen. Like I don't, I don't count that as not being able to successfully run the ball. When yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. Rico Dotto had eight carries for the whole game. Tavian Feaster had six carries for the whole game. That doesn't count as not being able to run the ball well. They just didn't run it. And then some people have pointed to Tennessee. Tavian Feaster still 19 carries for 80 yards, like a little over four yards per carry. That's below his season average, but it wasn't a disaster. What happened on Saturday, I thought, was completely unforeseeable completely inexplicable and completely inexcusable. There's no reason against a front like Appalachian State in, in terms of just the sheer size. And Carolina has been touting its athleticism, so even if you say those guys were a little smaller, so they were a little bit faster, uh, you know, the reason Jordan Rhodes and Javon Gwinnett are in there are because Hank Manis and Eric Douglas didn't work out, but also they offer you a lot more athleticism. That's why Carolina has been able to rely a little bit more on the pin and pull as their go-to run play. There's no, I, I will never understand, I said this on my local show, I could watch that game. 50 more times, and I'll never understand why Carolina couldn't run the football. They, it, they just didn't have it. I mean, two, 247 against Kentucky, okay, which is not a great team, but pretty solid defense. Georgia is still not giving up a rushing touchdown this year. 142 yards against Georgia. Interestingly, Kentucky actually had more yards against Georgia running the football than South Carolina did, but I think it was the second highest performance of the season in terms of running the ball. Was it a, a, a wonderful one for South Carolina? No, they averaged 3.9 a carry, but they had 142 yards, which is way more than they've been having in that series. I think, what what was the stat? We t- I think it was South Carolina's highest was like 54 in the past three years or something like that. I mean, it was some insane. Against Georgia. Against Georgia. Yeah. Some insane stat. So 142, I mean, 217 against Florida. Tavian Feaster had, what, 175 yards against Florida? Mm, on 25 um, carries, I think, if I remember yeah. correctly. Now, but- Rico Dowdle wasn't himself the other night. Sure. Yeah. And I, I do, but you shouldn't still. need Rico Dowdle yeah. to be 100% yeah, right. or himself. I, I think right, that, right. you know, that certainly right. was a factor. And I think, you know, I, I tried to go through and, okay, how or why did this happen? I, you know, I do think there were times where their, their guys' lack of size, sort of, especially on the pin and pull when you have a big guy like Jordan Rhodes out there on the edge and their guy just sort of, 
it was almost like at times they went underneath the blocks and just sort of muddied everything up, and then that allowed other players to to get there and uh, and sort of rally to the football. Um, but still, it's why South Carolina the, the guys you are blocking why they weren't able to get a push why they weren't able to to me complete blocks. It seemed like they were able to start blocks, but they weren't able to necessarily finish blocks. Like App State was able to get off of blocks um, at a rate I didn't really expect at all. So, um, you know, you we're we're going down the rabbit hole as we normally do. But you asked me the the biggest question. You know, I, I think the biggest question is, you know, can can this offense be fixed, or are you looking at um, another situation of, you know? possible changes on you know on that side of the ball that's my biggest question right now Chris what's your biggest question leaving the Appalachian State game I think it's the the long term of the program you know is now called into question more are you talking about more with this team or just in general it doesn't matter whatever yeah, just whatever think, your burning question is after this game and and that would that would be legitimate because I said in the immediate aftermath of the game, I thought this was a program-damaging win. So you don't think I'm overstating that? Or, sorry, a program-damaging loss. Loss. No, I don't think so because, I mean, it really it, – now it calls everything into question. I mean, the season has not gone as expected, obviously. Um, this makes it extremely difficult to get to a bowl game. You know, you're looking at – you're staring at a, at a possible 4-8. and eight. You're staring at um, missing a bowl game for the first time in the Muschamp era, um, you're looking at a second straight losing season, you know. And so all, all those things are tough to swallow for Gamecock fans. And I think it's all compounded by the fact that, you know, the first two years went better than expected, right? I mean, right. you still – you don't beat Georgia, you don't beat Clemson. Some of that has to do with where the programs were relative to each other. But they certainly showed improvement. I mean, I, I did not have them winning six games year one, did not having them winning nine year two. It looked on the up and up. Last year was an obvious step back. There are a lot of reasons for that. We don't need to relitigate them. Um, but when you have the bowl last year, right, combined with another laid egg in Charlotte to begin this year with a first-year coach at a UNC program that was horrible last year, led by an old coach, right? Okay. Oh, and, oh I see. I see. You, yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about Mac Brown. I was like, we can't call him a first-year head coach. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. First year at, yeah, yeah. at North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Um, taking over a, a, a poor program. Right. And then just, and then, you know, the Missouri game and then the Tennessee game and just all these different things that have happened and then losing at home to App State. I mean, it's really just, it's all built on each other. You know, all these different things have built on one another. And now the fan sort of vitriol and the way that the fans are feeling, the fan base, and the, look, a lot of it's justified, um, are very frustrated with this program. And, and there's just, now there's a lot of reports coming out. I mean, everybody can see that, some things are going to be changing in the offseason. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was my biggest takeaway because if they beat App State, you may be at least – nobody – probably people don't feel great about it, you know. You, you might not go in feeling great about it, but you at least sort of prolong um, maybe those questions. Maybe they're shelved until you see what happened against A&M and Clemson. I think it just really diminishes the confidence right now, and um, I think some things are going to have to take place to restore that. It's a, it's a next-level kind of bad that moves this season from, wow, that was a bad season, to, oh, my gosh. The Appalachian State game, they're obviously so much better than Citadel. It's not even really worth making the comparison, but when people think about the 2019 Carolina football season, 
they're going to think about the App State loss in the same way they think about the 2015 Citadel loss. And I, I think now it really tips the scales where you say, would you trade the North Carolina and, let's say, Tennessee losses, two games where you were favored and lost for the Georgia game? And a lot of fans would say, no, it's still important to have the Georgia game. Now, I mean, unequivocally, with the three losses as favorites, it, it tips the scales. And it, it basically, I mean, we are so far beyond the point of having used up all the goodwill generated for Will Muschamp and for this program by that Georgia win. It's just so far gone at this point. That doesn't even feel like the same season. Yeah, and I, I think for me, going back to the offense, I, I go back, you know, like Chris was talking about, the last year as well. And, um, you know, I, I just wonder what happened because, you know, I think er, early on last year there were some there were some offensive struggles at times for sure. But then I, I think you look for a stretch. Um, you know, they, they had to come from behind to beat Tennessee, but that, you know, 27-24 at home last year, but that was actually a pretty – for what they were trying to do, that was a pretty efficient offensive performance. They were, so it was sort of more of a run-based game plan. Um, but they they go to Ole Miss, they win in a shootout there. They uh, obviously everybody remembers what happened at Florida. They blow the lead, but you actually put up some points. You had some really explosive moments in that game. That, that's not it. Even though they lost the game, that's not a game where you're saying, "Man, this this offense was awful." Um, Chattanooga, you do what you're supposed to do, blow them out, and then Clemson. A, a defense that is, you know, especially last year, one of, if not the best in the country. Statistically, nobody else really had much success against, against Clemson's defense. Loaded and, with NFL talent. Yeah, and you come up with this outstanding game plan, um, you know, and actually some, some really unique stuff that South Carolina did in that game, if you really go down to the details of what they were able to do, that nobody else did, and it worked. You had this... Amazing game plan in a loss where you're able to give your give your team a chance, even with a defense that was working with, like, you know, the 11th string out there at, at certain positions. But um, the 11th string. Then, then Akron, I think you scored, what, 28 points in the first half and then nothing in the second half. It was like 28-15 to 15 final or something? 28-3. Three. Um, yeah, they didn't. Oh, it was just 28-3? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the game's never really in danger, and, yeah. and it was – it was nasty weather. Nobody like wanted that, but... to be there in the second half. It seemed you're just like, well, maybe you know, maybe they're, they're just trying to get to the finish line. They're just trying to get to the end of this game. But then it sort of carries over. You score nothing against Virginia in a game that, to me, looking back, felt sort of like how the offense looked against Kentucky last year. Um, lots of zone from from Virginia and Kentucky, and just no answers for South Carolina offensively. Um, North Carolina. You know, it was a struggle. Um, obviously, we know what happened in Charleston Southern. Alabama, you hung in there. But then Missouri is a struggle. Um, you know, and now you're sort of as the year goes on, it, it seems like the offense hasn't gotten better but has sort of gotten worse. And you just still have these stretches. I think the big thing is, you you know, everybody wants things to be more consistent. If you look – I was talking about this the other day. If you look at Oklahoma's message board after they lose to Kansas State, they're making the same, you know, arguments about lo- inexplicably losing this game that South Carolina people are making about their current season. But the but, difference is... But I think if you look at the year in totality now as we're 10 games in, and you look at the fact that South Carolina offensively just has had 
way more downs than ups. And these stretches, I'm just saying that to say everybody wants things to be a little bit better. Everybody Mm -hmm. wants consistency. Mm -hmm. In college football, you're never going to have complete consistency. Even the greatest offenses are going to have bad days. Even the greatest offenses are going to have stretches where they look terribly coached. But for me, and I think for a lot of people, you have way too many of these stretches where it's three and out, three and out, three and out, or just no explosive plays. And then you have a game with with App State where you, I mean, your your only touchdown is late in desperation time. I mean, you score what nine points for for most of that game? Like that's that that sort of to me, I think, is like the breaking point for for a lot of people, yeah. and and just puts the exclamation point on. This offense. So everybody wants consistency. Consistency is the key in sports. Consistency is the key to life. It's something that I think everyone strives for in every facet of what they do. When Oklahoma loses to Kansas State and the offensive performance is underwhelming, people are right to get on the message boards and say, what the heck? Or mm-hmm. what the hell, damn guy? Why is the offense looking kind of sloppy? But the difference is that's a blip. That is a true aberration. And as clo- they are still as close as you can get to consistent in college football in terms of their offensive output. Carolina can't even find itself in the opposite situation. They can't even have the one blip game where the offense looks good. And I think that's the most disturbing part. It's not that they haven't been able to consistently do anything good on offense. It's that they haven't even accidentally been able to do anything good on offense this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the like, because you point to the Alabama game and said South Carolina looked pretty good in the Alabama game. True. But they also, in that game, First of all, Alabama is not the dominant defensive team that it once was, you know, maybe a couple few years ago. That's been evident. Yeah, your boy Joseph Burrow exposed that this weekend. The next part of it is even in that game, when South Carolina did some good things, you know, they got a late touchdown to make it, what, 20, they scored 23 points I think there were game. literally nine seconds left. Yeah, late, you get a late touchdown, and you also still had inconsistencies in that game. Right, because you you go down, for example, going down to the red zone, you know, having a first, what was it, first and goal and coming away with zero points. You know, that's an example. I mean, the question that we had after the UNC game, question I had at least, was that an aberration or was it a pattern? Now we have the answer. It was a pattern, right? Can we all agree on that? I think so. So it, it just... And and it hasn't even been, like, one different thing with this team. Like, some some games, you know, you look at Tennessee, they alternate between, you know, a touchdown, an explosive touchdown play on the first play of the game, and then not being able to do much of anything later in the game. Then you get, you know, the defense and special teams, which have largely been pretty good this year. You know, I agree Al- in recent weeks, but... Right, in recent weeks, the year, yeah. you know, Alabama, not as much. North Carolina, not. You know, even in North Carolina, they alternated between dominant and awful. It's like, what is that? And then, you know, um, you know, you look at the Tennessee game. The offense let them down, sure, but it was like two bad special teams miscues. They haven't mm-hmm. had much of the year. You look at App State. The defense gave up 13 points to App State. That's winning football. That's good enough. But they had two long kick returns. Okay, that's hadn't been a problem most of the year, but it was in this game. And then the offense couldn't do anything in running the football. Running the football has been really the only thing this offense has consistently done well, and even then, not entirely consistent. So, um, and yeah, we we know that they have. We know all about the injuries. We know about all of them. 
There's no doubt in my mind if they were fully healthy, they would have potential to be better, but they're not. But it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. Because, because Carolina's backups are, at worst, the caliber of athlete that are Appalachian State starters. Exactly. And and at the beginning of the year, South Carolina was largely healthy mm-hmm. on offense. You know, and so what we like what we saw against North Carolina was not good. But again, was it an aberration or not? Maybe it would have turned out to be more of one if they had remained healthy the whole year. I don't know. Um, it's no. hard for us to believe that at this point. I don't think so because they were really healthy until the last two weeks. And yeah, there were there were a preponderance really of miserable offensive performances before that. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So yeah, my my point overall is no. I, I don't. There's not really evidence to say oh well if they just had this guy or this guy or even all of them, that they would be that much better. Um, better, probably. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, what we saw on Saturday was not not going to cut the mustard, for sure. The uh, You don't cut mustard. The situation mustard. that got me was um, coming out of coming out of a... A quarter break? Quarter break. Quarter break. Ugh. That you had... Uh, well, I want to get it right. It was in what an illegal uh, substitution. substitution. Twelve men in the huddle. Twelve, 12 men. In the huddle. Yeah, out of a quarter break. That, oof, that's and then you know there. That should be an automatic touchdown for the other team. If you were that <laughs> stupid and incompetent. Then there was a drive um, where Carolina had uh, actually that that's that same drive. Um, South Carolina comes out. They go from second and nine to second and 14. This is from the third quarter to the fourth quarter. This is the beginning of the fourth quarter. They're, they have this substitution infraction. They end up getting a first down on that third down on that sequence on a pass interference. Guy grabs Brian Edwards. Then they get sacked. Then after they got sacked, it was like nobody knew what the heck was going on? Um, I guess because they're anticipating, you know, a, a second sack. down call that yeah. wasn't second and twenty five or whatever it was, and it was like people were running around, nobody knew where to go. Then they have to hurry to the line because the play call doesn't get in, and then they got a false start at that point because everybody was having to run around and didn't know where, where they were going. Then they complete actually completed a pass for 15 yards on the third and 25 to get it down to like fourth and 10 or 11, and then got sacked on fourth down yep. to end that drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, man, that's. And Colin actually had a really good take, a really good article. Um, th- to me, that that drive right there is a microcosm sort of the season. But he the fi- the final drive too, how South Carolina has like a few like good like really good plays individual efforts you know Rico Daddle um picks up these two great first downs uh one of one of them just you know heart and determination to get to the marker um then on the fourth down you have this i mean as much as you know we talk about play calling and i and i get it i i had lots of issues had a great call on the fourth down completion to Daddle the second one mm-hmm. uh the first one was more just um Polinsky and Daddle making a play. The second one was a good call. Then the fourth down that ended up being the final play of the game was a great call for the yeah. defense that they had on. It was a double post on one side. That ran all the defenders off. Brian Edwards comes all the way across the field, wide, wide open. open. And then not only does the throw get missed, 
But even if he caught it, the hold, the hold would have negated it anyway. But that's to four, me that, fourth good fourth down calls because the, the first fourth down on that drive was that long comeback to Brian Edwards, and you can mm-hmm. say that you know that's just good execution. But and yeah, that's, that's that's a good call. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think I think it was a good call, and I think that's what has made this this part of the discussion so complicated. And I I think we've talked about it pretty much every week for the last six weeks. It's like how many times throughout the entire season can you look at a play sequence drive and say what the heck is Carolina doing mm. it's not like when Kurt Roper was there and you're like these just seem like bad play calls Brian McClendon seems to be calling mostly the right plays at the right times at least I mean you know we can always relitigate based on results but there have been so few moments this year when I say that was stupid and you know even the greatest play callers in the world are going to have a couple of those moments so it hasn't been overwhelming and I mean, Carolina had kind of established its identity by the midway point of the season where you're going to run the ball, not ask Ryan Holinsky to do too much. You know, that makes sense. So it's it's not even that the team lacked identity. And yet, the offense is still just miserable. And it's all these little things. It's It's the dumb penalties. And it's the lack of effort. Because frankly, I think that's what Carolina not being able to run the ball against Appalachian State boils down to more than anything. They just didn't. They just didn't care. They didn't want it. There was no fight. There was no effort. There was no energy. There was no confidence. That's been a common theme, and I feel like that, as much as the X's and O's. And again, like some people want to criticize Brian McClendon, and you're allowed to do that. I don't think that's necessarily the right answer. He has creative play design too. The, he runs cool stuff. The first Brian Edwards touchdown pass against Vanderbilt, which I think I think you did it in your you do that nice breakdown on Gamecock yeah, where you go through the plays. Yeah, and uh, and that and that's a really cool play design. You know, you motion Brian Edwards from left to right. You get the defender to go with him. As soon as he hits kind of like midway point of the defense, he runs back. It's like, that's great play design. There was a cool play earlier in this game that Will Helms and I talked about on our Monday Get Cocky podcast where they have the carry-on joiner at quarterback. They run the pin and pull, but the action in the backfield is like a toss sweep to Deshaun Fimwick and then basically make that a counter action. And then the mm. carry-on joiner picked up like eight yards or something like that. Like, it's like a toss read yeah, as a counter. There's, there's good play design. There's generally good play calling. So what the hell? Well, 15 points against Appalachian State? It's not just because of drops, and it's not just because of penalties. Right. So, I mean, I, I I did, I think, and I think Wes and I would agree on this point. I mean, I, I had some issues with the play calling at times in the run game, right? I mean, we, we can agree with that. It's hard to say, you know, for me, it's hard to say what, like, some people, they didn't run the same play. That's what a lot of people say. If a, if the run game's not working, people always say they're running the same plays over and over. No, no, no. they're not. I mean, they went in the first half, they went from gap scheme to zone scheme mm-hmm. in the second half. Nothing worked. So you do have to, as coaches, you do have to find something different. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. Not my job. Yeah. Results-oriented business. But they F- tried. Find a way to do it. They did try, but you, you, you do have to find a way to be more productive than that. I, mm-hmm. I saw the drops. Yeah. I saw open plays. I mm-hmm. saw all that. Um, and I agree with you. There have been – I think that's what's been inconsistent is even I feel like the team's been inconsistent, whether it's drops, penalties, whatever, um, making plays. I, I feel like the game planning has also been inconsistent at times. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like what they did against North Carolina. I did not. Um, and I think North Carolina's defense coordinator does a really good job, but I didn't like what they did against UNC, and then they didn't play well. Um, Missouri, I mean, that was a tough deal. They couldn't run it. They probably should have tried more. Yeah, I was gonna say we can't say they couldn't run it. They right. didn't run it. They didn't run it. So I think that's you know you can go back to play calling on that. But there are other games where with McClendon as a play caller that they've done a lot of. Re- I mean, point to that Clemson game. 
I mean, not his fault that Wes and I were playing, you know, on defense that night. <laughs> I mean, it's – I you had know, a lot of missed tackles that night. You did. Yeah. You did. I didn't want to call bad. you out on it, but that's why I'm sitting here. And then, you know, some some of the stuff they have done, yeah. And, and there are limitations with with what they've had this year. So it is tough. I mean, it's not everybody does want to make it one thing, and it's really, really not. The inconsistency has been the issues. And I yeah. don't remember if we've talked about this or if I mentioned it on my Get Cocky podcast, but that's what's frustrating about this team. I had this conversation with my roommate just yesterday. If it were just that Carolina didn't have a vertical passing attack, that would be one thing. But some games, Carolina's lack of explosive plays and vertical passing attack is what kills them. Some games, it's Ryan Holinsky's inaccuracy. In some games, it's his injury. In some games, it's the offensive line play like it was on Saturday. In some games, it's Carolina wasn't able to run the ball or didn't run the ball. And sometimes it's play calling. It's basically Brian McClendon and company keep finding new and innovative ways to screw this team up offensively. And I make it sound like that's malicious and obviously I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but I've never seen a I've never seen a team find so many different ways to be unproductive on offense over the course of just one season. Which leads me to, I guess, my next question. What of Brian McClendon and this offensive staff? Now and going forward. What of? What of? <laughs> okay. I'm like, just I'm just making it vague. Um. Well, God, and see, I I get caught going back into the down the rabbit hole and the details and and stuff like that. But I think it's more of a big picture question. Um, you're you're kind of at the point, guys, of of what Muschamp said. You know, results oriented business, and um, we can talk about all the reasons. And we, we have to, we've talked about all the reasons a lot. People are probably tired of hearing about all the reasons. But whatever the reasons are, the results have just not been there. Um and I, I think Brian McClendon is a very, very sharp up and coming young coach. And most anybody I've ever talked to, you know, even in the industry agrees with that um would it have been better off for him maybe to be learning under you know if if you had brought in and and I don't even know if this was a possibility there were a lot of rumors when South Carolina hired Brian McClendon that if he didn't get this OC job he was going to go to Tennessee as co-OC so I'm I'm not saying that this is even a possibility does that mean Carolina could have had Jim Chaney for that game and drawn up the right game plan to get their playmakers um, involved (laughs) Possibly, but I, you know, I, my my point being, as a young coach, I'm I'm sure, and being around Brian McClendon, very confident guy, I'm sure he was confident he was ready to be an SEC offensive coordinator, and you're always going to bet on yourself, but if you brought in Dan Warner as the offensive coordinator, and you know maybe Dan doesn't even want to be an OC anymore, I've heard that. But let's substitute anybody. You bring in basically your your South Carolina version of Chad Morris, your guy that's been an offensive coordinator that has called a bunch of plays before, that has a scheme, has a system that works. And Brian McClendon remains your co-OC and learns the ins and outs of play calling and has basically someone to, I don't even say tutor, that sounds too negative, but 
has someone who basically he's learning under as far as being an OC, not just being a great receivers coach, not just being a great recruiter. But like He's learning the ins and outs of, hey, this is how I game plan. This is how I do this. This is how I do that. And this is my system. This is my answer when teams are doing this. This is my complimentary play to these plays. When they take away this, this is what I do. This is how I think. As opposed to learning on the job at times, as I, I, be, I believe is the case, then it is a different conversation. Because no. I, 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 don't, I don't want anything I say to, to sound like I don't think Brian McClendon is a smart dude because he is, and he's a good dude, and he's one of the good guys in coaching from everything I've heard. So um, I still think Brian McClendon has a great future. I think Brian McClendon is a future head coach and a successful one. But when you're when you're in this league, you're going up. I mean, the defensive coordinator South Carolina has faced this year. I mean, even even North Carolina. Um, you know, I mean, that Jay team, Bateman's a two-time Royals finalist. Yeah, that guy has seen everything you're going to throw at him, and he's going to have an answer. And he's, like, have, he's considered one of the most innovative defensive minds in football right now. Yeah, so you you better have an answer to the answer. And just being an, just being an average offensive coordinator in this league maybe makes you a below-average offensive coordinator. Like being an average overall offensive coordinator maybe makes you a below-average one based on what you're going to face week in, week out. And I just um, – I wonder at times there's a lot of like really – there are some really innovative, cool plays, but does it all fit together? No. Does it all complement? Is this a bunch of like, oh, let's run this cool play here? Mm-hmm. Or the the really, really good offenses, everything builds off of everything else. There are complementary plays. And then I wonder, does this offense have an answer to to pretty much everything? Sometimes you're just going to get got. Sometimes the other guy is going to have – is going to have your number, but mm-hmm. it, it's happened too often. And and I go back to, here's what I go back to, the fact that the offense looks so much better when they're on the scripted portion mm-hmm. of the plays. Yep. And it's, hey, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to make them stop us. Mm-hmm. And those plays, even this past week, they scored six points, but they drove the ball better, other than the desperation time. They drove the ball better in those first two drives consistently than they did at any other point in the ball game. That mm-hmm. to me has been a consistent thing this year. Clemson last year, they had an outstanding game plan and Clemson actually never really had an answer for it. So yep. they didn't have to readjust. So to me, the difference between an average OC or an OC or a young up and coming OC that maybe has a lot of great ideas and then that guy that's done it before is that guy that's really done it before. He has oh okay. So I back in Back in 2015, I was facing Buffalo, and their defensive coordinator made mm-hmm. that adjustment. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Let's do this right now. It's an experience um, gap, and that makes yeah. sense. But I, I think to that point, and for Carolina fans that are looking for answers right now, I, I think I think those things don't have to be mutually exclusive where we can sit here and say, Brian McClendon does some things, has a bright future, but isn't the guy right now because to your point that you made earlier, Chris, it's – in some ways, it's a little bit fortunate that we all got to see what a Carol- what a depleted Carolina offense looks like against a team like Appalachian State. Because I said, you know, those guys, you know, the Trey Adkins, the Chad Terrells, like those guys are kind of like App. Those are like App State caliber kinds of guys. Maybe in terms of talent, you could say better, whatever, or or worse, or worse, whatever. But like roughly, yeah. roughly. I mean, like Trey Adkins is a walk on. I don't know what Chad Terrell. I don't know how many stars he had, but. <laughs> 
if you compare like that, you know, outside of Brian Edwards, it's like no Shai Smith, no Ortrey Smith, no Josh Fan, no Nick Muse. It's like, okay, so you're dealing with generally depleted talent or, or a, at least a more even distribution of talent on the field. It's not like Carolina was overwhelmingly better at the skill positions in that case. Ryan Holinsky is still markedly better. Brian Edwards is maybe the best guy on the field on, on either offense on Saturday. You know, Rico not playing, Rico not at 100%. You say it's kind of a wash. So then you get to see a little bit more of, you know, what does it look like when you're coaching talent versus talent? And obviously, Carolina's seen that all year. Saw it against Tennessee, saw it against Missouri, teams that were as talented as Carolina and just absolutely blew them off the field. And I think that's when some of those coaching foibles get exposed. Yeah, I, I can see that. I also think there's a case to be made that South, as much as we talked about South Carolina's improved depth, um, the the guys at App State, whether right or wrong, the guys at App State were their first string guys were definitely to me more talented than South Carolina's second string guys, and they're all veterans who've played, and they're all they're all I mean this was a team of what did they say eighteen seniors in the you know in the starting twenty two or something like that so, yeah I mean their quarterback juniors a and seniors possible NFL guy. Yeah, he, didn't, so I, he didn't look great. So yeah, well, I mean, you you shake your head, but credit to South Carolina's defense played pretty yeah, well. Which has been good. I, I, I will yeah. and I talked about this a little bit on Monday too. This is it's so unfortunate because this is not even close. Well, Muschamp's best defense here at South Carolina. The defensive line, I feel so bad for them because this is such a good defensive. Like maybe you have to go back to 2012 to find the defensive line this good, and a great performance by that unit all season long is going to be lost to the sands of a miserable four and eight season. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think mo- most um, certainly F. If we're talking about FCS teams, which App State is not anymore, if we're talking about FCS team. Yeah, I think you can compare their starters to South Carolina's backups. I think we're shortchanging the App State players if we're comparing Maybe. like offense to offense. Their receivers. You don't think Chad to- Terrell would be starting for App State? No, I don't think so. Would no. Trey Atkins be starting for them? No, well, I mean he's a one. Um, so. You know, those were those were good seasoned college football players for for App State. I'm not excusing any of it. I just if we're going into that detail, I you know I, I don't think that I think App State's second string guys or App State's first string guys across the board offensively are probably better than South Carolina's second string guys offensively. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Corey Sutton. He was a guy I really liked in high school. I remember we saw him in camp. He's a K State transfer. K State's pretty good. Yeah, but um, again, we're getting. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting get, way down there. But I'm no, not trying to th- get down this the is a, hole. This is a game again. This is not. People are gonna say, "Well, you're excusing them." No, no, no. If South Carolina was like, what? What game was this? This is the tenth game. If yeah. South Carolina was seven and two going into the game, people would have been sitting here worried about App State, right? Yeah, it's even more I mean, worrisome they're, today. They're a good. They're they're a good. They were only a six and a half point favorite. The, the line opened at like three and a half. It should have stayed there. <laughs> should have been App State. I guess yeah, minus I mean, five apparently. So, for me to to go back to a little bit more of a general point about like the future and everything. We've all like Wes said. We've we've taught almost ad nauseum probably about the reasons for everything. So. Of course, we have everybody's got to get through these last two games to see what happens, and that'll sort of write the story in some ways. Um, and by by what happens, I don't mean South Carolina's not going to be favored in either game, obviously. But are they going to lose the games well, by a combined by less than a combined forty points? So, so so that's the question, right? 
and we'll get into that more in the next couple of weeks. But like that, that those are the questions. So if if there's an opportunity on the table, you know, to to do a really deep dive into the program and figure out what needs to change, even internally, if you know all these things, yes, there've been injuries. Yes, you lost your senior quarterback. You lost Kill Pollard. You you. Yes, it's an inconsistent team. Yes, you haven't had, you know, you've had a few recruiting cycles, et cetera. All those things are in play. You've had a lot of drop passes, but but you still got to look at the offense and figure out, okay, how is it going to get fixed, you know? So if, if you're Will Muschamp, you look at it, and even if you – whatever you may believe about the offense – there's still some things you're going to have to do, right? Am I, am I being fair on that? Like, you've got to figure out a way of what are we going to change. The off-season program, the belief may be that the off-season program and the way South Carolina trains is perfect. That may be the belief in the building, but you got to look at it, right? And, and not just because of the perception, but there comes a time where you got to look at it and say, are we going to have to shake things up defensively, special teams? I mean, everything about the program, I think when you get to this point, you know, you have to do a lot of self-reflection. I mean, Will Muschamp talked about looking in the mirror a lot after the game during his Tuesday press conference. And so in doing that, and he, he says he evaluates the program every year. I'm sure he will. But this is going to be, I think, probably the deepest dive that's <laughs> going to be taken just because of where, where things are, no. you know, d- and, and depending on how the rest of the year goes. Well, we have a couple more weeks to decide, you know, obviously exactly how that goes. Uh, we've gone a little bit long here. I have one more question for you, so let's do this as a speed round before we get into a little buy or sell. Um, and this may be easy for you all to answer anyway. Is this the worst loss for Will Muschamp in South Carolina? <sighs> yeah. 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 Man, that is a tough question. That's hard to do. A lot My top around. three is yeah, the Appalachian State game, okay. last year's Florida game, and this year's Tennessee game. And those other two have more to do with performance. And I think you can make a probably pretty convincing argument that App State's better than better than Tennessee. I, I'm picking the uh, I'm picking last year's Virginia game. I was gonna say that that yeah. one that one stands just, out to me. The North Carolina game this year that sent- was really bad. I think the Virginia game has really been a springboard Mm. you know not necessarily for how the team performs but just taking everything back to that this team hadn't been right since the virginia game there's some problems right since the akron game let's blame akron let's blame that stupid marshall game for getting canceled (laughs) let's blame the hurricane that was that's all of it yeah but but i think the virginia game because they performed that was probably the worst performance right of all of them uh, I, I would, they scored zero points. Looked awful the entire. Yeah, game. I mean they might as well have scored zero against Appalachian State. I, I know, but but still, and and I know App State was at home. I know it's a Sun Belt mm-hmm. team. Yeah, and but it's a more I, meaningful game than a meaningless bowl game. A few weeks ago, talking to some people that I sort of trust about personnel and things like that, and where, with where South Carolina was at, which is not where they wanted to be, but but sort of going over that stretch of what was the stretch? Tennessee, App State, um. Who else was in, in here recently? Tennessee, App State, Vanderbilt. That three-game stretch. Mm-hmm. And the opinion was App State's the best of all those, right? Yeah. So, now, you could – you could the way Tennessee is playing now, as opposed to – not early season Tennessee, they were awful. Tennessee mm-hmm. now, you know, I think you can make the case Tennessee's playing better. But, anyway, the point is App State is thought of, was thought of, and is thought of as a good team. Mm-hmm. That Virginia team last year, yeah, pretty good too, but – 
I don't know, man. I'd probably still go Virginia. Yeah, just my okay. opinion. All right. Yeah. Wes, did you give a did you give a final answer on that? Yeah, I said App State, but yeah, I mean Virginia. To me, Virginia and then North Carolina are yeah. second and third, just be, because uh, the Virginia not game, not the Florida game from last year. No, I think I think honestly, you could almost pinpoint that as like that is a game where the team seemed. Oh, we're so far down the rabbit hole. <laughs> where the the things that have bothered me the most about this Carolina team this year aren't the play calling, aren't the penalties, aren't the whatever, the this, the that. The amount of times that the team has shown up just looking lethargic and apathetic, no energy, no confidence. You could say that about the North Carolina game. You could say it about the Missouri game. You could say it about that last little bit of the Florida game. You can say it about the second half of the Tennessee game. You can say it about just about the entire Vanderbilt game. You can say that's six of ten games where this team just didn't look ready to come. And I feel like I feel like that started in that second half against Florida. It was just like, oh, well, I know we're up by 70, but we're going to lose this game or whatever. No, the see, conversation I, I went just on felt like, I, and I, I wouldn't say the team has looked, in my opinion, I don't think they've looked lethargic in all these games. I just think they haven't played well. Um, and to, to me, Isn't there's a difference. lethargic on Saturday? I mean, maybe the, at times. I, I wouldn't say they look lethargic in six games this year. I think they just haven't Well, def- Okay, definitely App State. Well. The North Carolina game, nobody wanted to be there, especially the fans, and definitely not the team. Missouri. I, I don't think you can say the team didn't really? want to be there. I mean, these guys work their tails off. No, no, no. Off I know for, they do, but for all like, but we look. We don't need to protect the kids. They, you can tell. You can I'm tell when someone goes them. out there, and I'm you not saying they're, they're going, mailing it in. I'm not saying they're, they're trying the to lose. Huh? You think they're going through the motions in the season opener? It feels like it. It felt like yeah. it. Yeah, I, I you don't, don't think so. I, no, I don't buy that. They just they didn't play well, and you could say they didn't coach well. They didn't play well, etc. Well, then they're lacking yeah. confidence, if not no. energy, then confidence. And I, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying I don't that even. even know if that's it. I just I mean. So you thought that team looked like they were firing on all cylinders? No, no, they didn't play well. You can't play you can't play poorly and but fire you, on all you cylinders. You can play, but you can play poorly and play energetic. Carolina didn't yeah. play well offensively against Georgia, but damn, it looked like they were leaving it out there on the line. Against that Appalachian State game, they were just getting beat to the spot time and again. Same against North Carolina. I don't know. But you're talking about the entire team, and we just earlier we were talking about how well the defense played against App State. Yeah. So I don't think you can say – I mean, okay, did, the did, was Rico Daddle lethargic when he was literally laying everything he had to get the final yard to get a first down on You know why down? that play stood out so much? Because how many other times did you see that happen on Saturday? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not – that would be a good buy or sell. Was a team lethargic? Sell. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Wow. Doesn't mean they're bad people. Doesn't mean they're bad players. No, we didn't no, say no, that. I'm no, not no, protecting them. Y'all both I'm played just, sports. I'm just saying you've been. Y'all have both been in sporting events where you wanted to win, but you just couldn't, weren't for whatever reason. Maybe your girlfriend broke up with you that day. Maybe you were hungover. Like whatever. I just think we're speaking in very, very like. Speaking of generalities about the entire team for six games, when we don't really have the the knowledge, like we d- we don't we don't know that. Like I, we've I seen the team really against Alabama, defensively and offensively, even at times against Georgia. The first three quarters of Florida, I mean, this team has looked confident and like they belong. And when, well, when a you lot make of games some, when you make plays, you're naturally going to be sort of fired up. For, for those plays. When but I would argue that you make plays when you are fired up. You make plays when you execute. I mean, the team missed 2001 one game this year. 
That wasn't on the team, dude. They're told when to come out. No, but I was like, that is a bad They're omen. Told that when was the they Florida come game, out. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, that is not a good sign. I don't know. All right. Wow. I think the, I think I think wow. the coaching staff way off. <laughs> I think the coaching staff has this team playing tight. Yeah, okay, you could say that. That's you what could I'm say saying. They play tight. But tight is not That's not that's not they don't care, they're lethargic. It's okay, it looks the same. Whether you're tight, whether you're lacking confidence, whether you're lacking energy, whatever the case is, the end result is I think, less I think than desirable your best play argument is that they have played tight at times. Yeah. And I I would go with you I on would, that, a hundred percent. We're on that. Oh y'all, y'all, y'all with the semantics. I'm normally the semantics guy. That's not even semantics. That's a completely different thing. Anyway, Tight, all right, we, energy, we, we whatever. Gotta, we got to move. We so, buy or sell? Sponsored yeah, I, by. I got somewhere to be. Bishop Real Estate Group. Six six five fourteen forty two. Terry Bishop, former Gamecock quarterback. Big supporter of the program. Uh, Thirty six years of real estate experience. Facebook.com slash the Terry Bishop team. And we appreciate him sponsoring our football content on GamecockCentral.com as well as our weekly buy or sell feature, which Pearson does a wonderful job coming up with his questions. Thanks. And also, you are going to hate my first one. Also, real quick, I do want to thank, because uh, we're running out of time, I want to thank Slotsky's Deli for being a sponsor on the podcast as well and for sponsoring our uh, Slotsky's Pick'em contest each week where you can win a uh, free tailgating package from Slotsky's Deli. And uh, those guys have been great to us for, shoot, three or four years now. And uh, great food, very, very convenient. If you win the package, I send you a gift card, and you pick it up on the way to williams Bryce Stadium. So thanks to Slotsky's Deli. I went there on Sunday and got – so the one the sandwich that I always talk about is the Tuscan, I think is what it's called. Mm. And then the one that I got this time was some kind of chicken sandwich with like a Chipotle mayonnaise. I don't remember the name. I'm bad with the names. For some I got the really beef good. smoke McCheesy. Oh, my roommate got that. Or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely delicious. Yeah, yeah yep. it looked awesome. Um, all right, so a little by yourself. It's Carolina Heads College, Sta- College Station their farthest road trip of the year. Buy or sell? Will the University of South Carolina football team even go to the game on Saturday? Since they have not for several games this year, and it's really far, I actually wrote that down, but that wasn't a real one. I have I actually have okay. four other ones. Oh, four today. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, we're going to do three, and then I'll do a bonus one. All right, let's go. Do right, you want the first real one? Do you yeah. want to answer that? No. Wes just threw his hands up. Y'all didn't have the benefit of seeing that. It. That was, that was Wes's so answer. so exasperated. God, y'all are dramatic. All right, Joseph Charlton will average more yards per punt on Saturday than Braden Mann. Right now, on the season, Joseph Charlton is averaging 48.3 yards per punt, and Braden Mann is averaging an even 49 yards per punt. Um, Joseph Charlton will probably have to punt a few more times. He's actually like got like 1,000 total punt yards on the season compared to Mann just because he's punted more. But if Joseph Charlton wants to dethrone the reigning Ray Guy award winner, claim that trophy for himself this year, got to win the head-to-head matchup with the man himself. I'm I'm, I'm buying. I, oh. I just, yeah, complete homer pick, man. I mean, it's Joseph Charlton. I, you know, he, he spoke to the media yesterday. He's got the No Shave November going on, the great hair. Yeah. I just, I can't go against the hometown guy. I'm actually going to AC floor here in a second for... Um, their basketball player signing. So. And Holman. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. going hometown pick all the way, man. And, you know, frankly, he'll probably be backed up punting more than, you know, A&M may be punting to pin the ball deep more. So the numbers. Okay. You just changed my mind. I'm okay. with you on that. You buy. Bye, bye. We're all going to buy it. I love it. Seriously, bye, bye, I like bye. the head-to-head matchup. This is the freaking Ali Frazier of great punters. Joseph Charlton has just been – 
No, we don't talk about him enough because it's the he's most a punter. consistent player on the team. More than Javon Kinlaw and more than Brian Edwards. He's on the short list for sure. He's been excellent. It's going to be really sad when he's gone because he's tremendous. So I'm going to buy, like you're saying, just because why the hell not? Let's buy it. That's awesome. Next up, Kellen Mond will rush for 50 yards or fewer on Saturday. Carolina has done an excellent job containing dual threat quarterbacks, including Zach Thomas, who was statistically the most mobile guy they had faced all year, and he did all of nothing with his legs against Carolina on Saturday. How will they fare against Kellen Mond? Do you have his numbers in front of you? He has 83 carries for 353 yards on the season, and if you factor out sack yardage, that is 63 carries for 467 yards. Okay. Um, just gut feeling. I'm I'm selling it, so I think he goes over. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Wes. I'll sell. Also. Wow. I'm gonna say that I said this Carolina defensive line in particular, but the Carolina defense has been good this year, and statistically they've been really good against mobile quarterbacks. As I mentioned, the only guy that's really gotten them is Kelly Bryant. He's not really a true dual-threat quarterback. He's more of a running quarterback. I think they're going to continue the trend. I think they're going to hold Kellen to fewer than 50 rushing yards, and since we're just talking about rushing yards, that's going to include sack yardage, and Carolina's done a pretty good job of getting after the quarterback, and that Texas A&M offensive line is pretty porous and has made Mon run for his life probably more times than he would like. So I'm going to buy that. Yeah. You're, logically, I probably agree with you. I don't know. I just got a gut feeling. feeling. Yeah, fine. I got a gut feeling he may break a long one, and it may be mm. the, the big portion of that. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. So you're saying it'll be close? There you go. All right. This is related. That's my move. South Carolina, this Saturday, will outrush Texas A&M. You want these numbers? This is awesome. Mm-hmm. So Carolina has rushed for 1,682 yards this season. That's... 4.8 yards per carry. I don't remember how many carries, but do the math. For 18 rushing touchdowns. Texas A&M has rushed for 1,431 yards on fewer carries for an average of, wait for it, 4.8 yards per carry and 19 touchdowns. How similar really are these teams? Like, those numbers are obviously identical in terms of yards per carry, touchdowns one off. Let's factor out sack yardage. Ryan Helinski, 115 sack yards this season. Kellen Mond. 114 sack yards this season. Nice. I mean, unbelievable how similar these teams are in terms of their running productivity. So, buy or sell Carolina will outrush Texas A&M on Saturday. Yeah, but how many has South Carolina rushed for if you take out their running against that vaunted App State defense? Mm. Well, factor out just 21 yards (laughs) (laughs) on 27 Um, carries. But it's crazy how much that game negatively Mm -hmm. (laughs) affects. You would think, oh, well, let's take out that game because... You know, it's against a non-power five, but... but it um, was Because it, it wasn't even normal bad. It was like, whoa! Yeah, it's like, what... When was the last time Carolina had 21 rushing yards? Did y'all did y'all fact check that? Has that happened ever? Oh, that's that's a good question. Like I'm 19, not sure. I, I would say like 1970, but they didn't well, how many have, they the have against Missouri? Them, so. uh, I think it was similar to like that. Like negative seriously. one or something? <laughs> I'm looking right now, and I'll tell you <laughs> I mean, in it was, three. It was... Oh, shit. It was that... I mean, it was 16. I, I okay, thought yeah. I saw 16 earlier. Yeah, when it I was, was low. Yeah. Um, all right. Here we go. Hmm. You know, Carolina stopped the run against A&M last year pretty well, even when they had struggled to stop the run against other teams. And that was with the top rusher in the um, SEC. Yeah, now, they, they didn't. A, I think Trayvon Williams stunt. didn't get to double-digit carries until the fourth quarter, which I remember being a big kind of factor in that game. They just didn't run him much. Missing their starting running back from the beginning of the year. Still have talent. Yeah. Isaiah Spiller, the Tavian freshman. Feaster will not play this week. Yeah. 
Oh God! Is Rico healthy? If A and M is ten points better, then are they? Do they have the lead? Are they running the football? Or South Carolina's having to throw the football? Um, I'm I'm saying A and M outrushes South Carolina. I don't know what's the verbiage. Sell. 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 Okay, yep. sell. I'm on that. I'm selling <sighs> all the way on that. I'm selling too. Dead gummit. Um, yeah, for all the reasons that you mentioned, not the least of which is they will have a lead. By the way, um, last week, what did we do last week? No, I didn't. I didn't write it down. Sorry. Um, bonus. Carolina will give up three sacks. Exactly <laughs> three sacks every week. Push. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Yeah. So, so you buy so about, the, the well, Carolina so exactly will have a, three exactly three sacks. Oh, I'll sell then. You know their sack totals for this year, right? Given up. Tell us every week. It's like three, three, three. three. Zero. It's three, three, zero, three, four, three, zero, three, 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 three. And then it was three against Appalachian State. Was it okay? It was zero against Vanderbilt and three against Appalachian State. So I'll sell. I assume Wes thinks you're going to give up more than three. Either way, you don't know. It's only happened okay. once this year. Gonna, you're going to leave that. Uh, leave that to the imagination. All right. Well, that'll do us. That'll do it for us here. Wes is already packing up before I finish talking. Very rude. Also, I'm really sorry. We were supposed to post a thread for questions, and we did not. But we went long you on this did anyway. Not. Well, okay. <laughs> Chris initially said he would. I asked if I should, and then I had a crisis yesterday. Not a real crisis, but something that distracted me. But, Chris, you did say you were going to do that. And then you did not do that. Somebody asked you on your Ask Chris. Oh, yeah, and I yeah. did. But then you volunteered, and so we didn't do so it. So sorry about that. We'll next try to time, remember next week. Next time. I don't know. We we'll suck it. at that, so maybe we won't. Rate, review, subscribe. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 